If you're from Waterford, you're not happy with the FAI this week. The Football Association's findings into the Marketsfield incident has not gone down well at all. I have a feeling they're not going to let this one go without a fight. The fella in the green and white short. The fella in the green and white short. Keep the good man on the bench. Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast in a week where Hull City are looking to invest into Dundalk. The FAI severely upset Waterford supporters and refs. Are they finally about to be put under a little bit of extra scrutiny this season? My name's Roy Shanahan and I'm joined by Nathan Doyle from TheBigKickoff.com. And Nathan, the League of Ireland has finally kicked off and it was a week of surprise results. Who did you watch and what did you make of those teams? It was a week of a ganzy load of draws in particular to the, uh, the, the Premier Division, wasn't it? It's, uh, yeah. it's easy to sort of preview the league table, as we were saying. It's just uh, both top, a lot of people in the middle uh, in the Premier Division and Cork City. Uh, myself, I had a busy enough one to kick off over the weekend. You might as well, while the, uh, the optimism is fresh, Roy. Obviously, as expected, started up on Friday night in Richmond Park. Um, St. Pat's drawing one all with Derry City and a sold out. Uh, so they were inchy core, so that was always great to see a massive crowd coming back over over four thousand, think it's close to four and a half thousand, uh, packed into Richmond. So that's brilliant. Uh, three words to, to sum it up. I, I can give you more if you want, but my three words summary would be a smash and grab from a, a Pat's point of view. Every city could have been training up, uh, which it's strange to see, you know, from a Pat's point of view, when a squad that, as we talked about last week, uh, with James Rogers there. Is you know you think to be coming together. It's the second year of a lot of them. There hasn't been an awful lot of, of, of moving and shaking in the off season with Pats, but there was a lot of teething problems there. Right? Like you look at, I think Tim Clancy changed his formation about three times throughout the game. Uh, started off with a back five, and then the the, the three central uh, centre halves were really really shaky in a lot of situations. Same with goalkeeper David Odomusu. So uh, they got out very easy uh, within the first half, but. Thankfully, from my past point of view, it did look like Derby City took their, uh, their foot off the gas a little bit. Pat sneaked away back into it towards the last 10, 15 minutes. But, uh, yeah, still really, really lucky, I feel, to come out with a point. Um, look, on the surface of it, that's a, that's for, for, as a Pats fan, it's a great result. I, I think they probably, again, were lucky to get Derby City in the opening game of the season. They also look like they were just lagging a little bit in, in fitness and sharpness. So, uh, things like that, you'd imagine, are going to come a couple of weeks uh, down the line. But then I uh, went back, retired back to my country estate here in Sligo on Saturday and uh, took in the Clash of the Rovers, another one-all draw uh, in the showgrounds between Were you at that Rovers game, and, Sh- and Shamrock Rovers. Yeah, took it in. I might as well. Uh, like I said, while the optimism is there, you're going to be going a long couple of months where you're going to two games a week. So I said I might as well get it in. Again, crowd-wise, absolutely brilliant. Really, really surprised uh, by Sligo Rovers, right? I... Didn't give them much of a chance in terms of league standings. And why look for one game into it? We're not going to pat anybody in the back far too early. I thought they were excellent in this game. I really, really did. A couple of uh, the new signings really did shine. Yeah, early positive signs in terms of the of the defence, the back line, the, uh, the whole of midfielders. But I still think they might be cut out as the weeks go on in terms of creativity and goal scoring. Yeah, I watched that game also, Nathan. I wouldn't go as far as to say they were excellent Sligo. I t- thought they were very impressive 
taken advantage of uh, the extra man when they went down to when Shamrock Rovers went down through Roberto Lopez going off. I thought that Shamrock Rovers were comfortable up until that spot. And uh, yeah, I thought they were brilliant though after that uh, Sligo. They never eased off the pressure. They were all over Shamrock Rovers and they made that extra man count uh, hugely. And I thought they deserved to get the draw in the end. So it was it was a good game to watch uh, as well. I watched the, the Bowes and Cork game and Cork were just not at the races. They weren't up to speed. Uh, Bowes weren't really overly impressive but they, they were doing enough. They were 2-0 up for a long time and it's amazing what one goal can do and the last 15 minutes were, were thoroughly entertaining. But before that, there wasn't a lot coming from Cork. You, you would worry a little bit, but maybe they'll get up to speed. First game in the season and you can't really judge them off the back of that, but uh, you wouldn't be too hopeful. And the, the third from bottom that the bookies had them for may very well be the the realistic heights that Cork may get to this year. Uh, I also took in the, the Derry, the, not Derry, Kerry. I said I have to have a little look at this, <laughs> yeah, Kerry, yeah, yeah, this Kerry game and uh, I turned it off nearly as soon as I turned it on, uh, not because of the football, not because of the occasion, because I wanted to get all that in, but because of that bloody AI, the camera, which is an absolute nightmare. Oh, no. Following everything and anything around, and it's just so jittery, it ruins the spectacle that it is. And I would hate to be a Kerry fan looking from abroad or anywhere else and having to watch th- those games. Uh, and it's not just that, it's first division. Anyone using those cameras, them cameras are absolutely useless and they need to be changed. Uh, we might go on to that again and, and discuss that. But yeah, the league started, and uh, it'll be interesting to see over the next couple of weeks how it evolves and uh, where the, the the winning and losing streaks happen. Um, we didn't get to see any First Division football, but we'll come back to First Division football because someone in the First Division is not happy. And that's the Blues supporters of Waterford. Tell us why, Nathan. Yeah, so this comes off the back road. I'm sure we both remember, I'm sure a lot of people listening remember, of the uh, the fourth division uh, playoff final between Galway and Waterford at Marketsfield back in November, uh, to get due to uh, safety issues within the Waterford uh, stand where the away fans were being uh, seated, the fans had to be moved due to uh, structural issues. So even at the time, just thought it was going to be um, you know, looked into by the FEI, by uh, the owners of Marketsfield and things like that. So. The FEI this week have now released a statement on the matter of a couple of months uh, down the road. I don't know, Roy, do you want to take the lead on reading it with your professional uh, radio broadcasting experience or will I fumble my way through it? What do you think? I think you should just give a synopsis of it, Nathan. I wouldn't go through the whole thing. It's a, it's a little bit, you know, it's a statement in all fairness. Give us the, 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 the main parts. Yeah, so cut me off at any point, mate, uh, without going over myself. Um, this um, coming per the FEI, it was official statement. Saying a full investigation was report has now been completed and sent to all stakeholders involved. The report found that incident did not occur to uh, due to malice uh, activity, nor a structural stand issue, but accidental excessive force contributed to the damage of the seats. Now a lot of it goes through to say uh, that the FBI and the League of Ireland are currently reviewing all stadium certificates for the 2023 season. I will add uh, additional inspections where high risks are identified. They go on, obviously, the tank on Garda Shea Corner, 
uh, Limerick Enterprise Development Partnership, the crowd that owns uh, Marcus Field. I was trying to get that out earlier, but could not think of it for the life of me. Uh, I went on to thank Treaty United and Waterford for the help in the investigation as well. So, um, so I want to go back to, look, the, to the to the main part, which is the report found that the incident did not occur due to malicious activity, nor structural stand issue, but accidental excessive force contributed yeah. to the damage of the seats. So let's break that down. Not due to malicious activity. So what they're saying there is they don't feel that whoever was in that stand on that given night purposely went out of their way to damage the stand. Correct? Is that what you get from that, Nathan? Yeah, that's what I get from that, that there was no malicious, you know, no intentional damage or no maybe violence or anything citing to any structural issues. That's what I I made from that part. Okay, so nor a structural stand issue. So... What that says is, is there was nothing that was there previous to this that would have caused this problem. Is that what you believe? Can we take a pause on that little bit there, Roy? Because yeah. that's, oh, there's a bit of a sticking point, I think, towards that one um, in terms of Waterford fans. Now, let's just throw the caveat out there, Roy, before I go any further. Myself and yourself are not at this game, no? Correct? Back in November? Neither was at the, the Galway versus Waterford game. No, a lot no, of things that we're we're picking up is going off read interviews and eyewitness accounts from people and from Waterford fans on Twitter and stuff like that. Just want to throw that out there before we, we go any further, um, because I was reading within uh, the, the, the articles that were, that were being accompanied by the statement and things like that that uh, a Waterford fan group claimed uh, that they alerted the FEI to safety hazards within the ground and within that stand ahead of this game. So I think that's one of the sticking points for these Waterford fans is that no structural, there wasn't a structural issue that caused this damage in this official statement, but it's still being, um, it, it was something that was that was said to be picked up and said to be mentioned by Waterford fans to the FBI. Yeah, absolutely. So that's something that's a, a sticking point. And then it says, yeah. but at the end it said, but accidental excessive force contributed to the damage of the seats. So what they're saying is accidental excessive force. Is that fans jumping up and down, supporting their team? What what can that mean? Yeah, I think that's the big question, isn't it? Those three words are really seem to throw a lot of people off. Um, and as well, like again, in a stand that has been claimed that to, to not be fit for purpose ahead of time and it was raised, awareness of it was raised ahead of time as well. I... Yeah, that's what I'm making out of that is, is, you know, people probably being a little bit overzealous with their uh, celebrations and support of the team, which there's nothing wrong in that. I've said a number of times when we're talking about different issues of fandom, uh, you know, whether that be the issue of flares, whether that be, you know, a number of different issues. Supporting and your team in the way that you look to support them is no crime at all. So I think to even... And look, I'm not saying that the FBI are coming out and outright blaming Waterford fans. I just think that's something that's being taken up by the Blues fans. Is that by the wording of the statement, I think are being led down that path a little bit. And I think well, I would look the, at it. I would look at it, Nathan, when it says uh, nor a structural stand issue, but then it says accidental excessive force contributed to the damage of the seats. It kind of sounds there, damage to the seats, accidental excessive force. You'd have to be dancing on the seats to accidentally have excessive force on the seats. So is it the flooring? Because that's what we see in visuals of. It was the floor yeah. part of the stand. And so if if 
from jumping up and down and celebrating, if you're if, if there's not a structural stand issue, well then it has to be because there was more than accidental excessive force. So I can't believe that there wasn't a structural stand issue yeah. because there had to be a weakness there if mere jumping up and down, which fans do all over the planet, celebrating, singing and and and, and whatever, chanting their team's songs, that's there. So the fact that this, I suppose, th- these these fans couldn't possibly jump around on uh, uh, under the stand meant that the stand wasn't really legit enough to be able to jump around on. That's the way I would see it. Yeah, I 100% agree. I, I find it really difficult to... Like you said, that's a basic sort of uh, the base of action of any football fan, isn't it? Around the world, that's that's the the broad level of what you'd expect from, especially away traveling supporters coming to such a massive game, is to be excited and to be happy and to be delighted to be in that situation. So yeah, I find it really difficult to see that uh, that there was no issue in place before the game. You would be inclined to believe about the the, the, the hazards around the grounds a whole lot raised to the FBI before the event taking place. Like, not till it did gloss over, like, uh, we could have been looking at potentially a very serious incident taking place in this game. Uh, like we said, wasn't at the game, we, we, we didn't have any first-hand experience being on the ground, but thankfully there was no reports coming out about any major serious uh, injuries, any accidents, things like that, that, that people were safely evacuated from that part of the ground and moved to a different area. But yeah, this could have been an absolute major, major headache for all involved. Yeah, 100%. I mean, is they never came out to say that any work has been done to the nope. the stand. They haven't said that that it's fit for purpose now or anything like that. So that's that's a little bit of a disappointment. I, I'm looking at some of the comments. There was one from Tony Kelly in Waterford who said, still in shock today over the FAI statement, given previous footballing tragedies and almost tragedies that have been blamed on fans uh, very recently and in, in the past, they should be ashamed. So... Again, we're saying the FAI, are they blaming the fans? Well, they're, they're not necessarily saying that there was any malice from the fans, but what they're saying is accidentally their enthusiasm has damaged the stand. That's what it sounds like to uh, uh, the Waterford supporters. And that's what we're hearing from Water supporters. That That's what it's saying. He says, we were in the stand about two weeks before the playoff game as well. And it was as rickety and dangerous then. If the stand can't take a capacity crowd all in their seats or said crowd celebrating a goal in a playoff, then it's not in reality really fit for purpose. Okay, it can't, you can't say it any better than that. No, you really can't. And I think if you're going to take someone's word for it, like me and you, we're just trying to dissect the statement more than anything else and knock it herself in any legal hot water as well, which probably uh, goes for some of the and the ass that were trying to wear. Uh, Trying to get away from, but yeah, I think you have to take somebody's uh, force has a kind account that was not only at the game itself, but uh, as you mentioned, was there two weeks beforehand, before the uh, the, the Galway game took place on on, on uh, in November, and even two weeks before that game took place, the the, the, the structure was rickety and not fit for purpose. But you wonder, did the FAI actually take this into, uh, you know, listen to the Waterford fans, take that into consideration, and use that? as part of the the investigation. We don't know because we weren't part of the investigation. Th- these are questions that we're, we're looking to ask because this is not having a go at the FAI. This is 
a statement that came out and didn't really explain itself. And 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 Waterford fans and fans around the country are scratching their heads because they can't understand why a stadium which people had already sort of floated that it was not in a good state, that they felt it was dangerous, that they had put it out there and said it, that then for that not to be even in the report afterwards, that this is like a once off, that this only happened on the match day. It's slightly worrying and people are worried now. And now they're worried about the stands and the, the grounds around the country. Are they actually being looked at? Is there a certain level that it's they need to be adhered by? And are they being adhered to? Look, I, I don't think there's anybody that's been as critical as ourselves, Roy, um, in terms of the... Um, the facilities and the grounds around this country as a whole. Like we we never we never want to sugarcoat uh, you know and put it down to what oh, there's a charm about these old ground. No, a lot of them just aren't fit for purpose. But going into these grounds, you know, you expect a basic level of health and safety, don't you? As a, as what you are, you're a paying customer at the end of the day. While you're not you know you're not gonna go into the to the hopes the the glitz and the and the glam. You expect to go in safely, be able to leave safely and go home back to your family or go back to wherever, you, wherever it may be after a match without any harm coming upon you. But the, the thing that the grounds could be could fall in or stands, sorry, could, could fall into this state two weeks before a game, like I said, from the fourth hand account you read out a few minutes ago, to still be in that state two weeks later, it's really, really worrying. And as we said, and as the, some of the fourth hand accounts said, the incidents and some of the tragedies that have taken place over the years, like I said, this could have been potentially a absolute disaster in not only in Irish football but in, in for the football world as a whole. So yeah, really, really worrying. Yeah, I, I just hope that the FAI come out and uh, look into this more and discuss with the Waterford fans and alleviate any yeah. fears that are out there because that's, that's clarify what's, a bit more. That, too, yeah, clarify a little bit more. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that's what I think that they should they should come around this too. Okay, um, Hull City, Nathan, what? Yeah, so um, we talked about some of the Premier Division there a few minutes ago. Wasn't the best start for, for Dundalk, was it? <laughs> One all draw home to UCD. You definitely expected them to pick up the three points. The the, the week continues for them. I and. Look, do you know what? I think before we get into this one, we'll give a little bit of credit, and not only credit to him because he was on the show last week uh, with James Rogers, star um, in an English club looking at investing into Dundalk. Just a couple of weeks back now at this stage, and he would have been met with a lot of criticism and uh, you know a lot of people doubting him. But in fairness, this has seemingly is coming to light and it's gained a bit more traction. Uh, this report comes per uh, fellow Dundalk uh, journalist Jerry Malone. And it goes by the way that Hull City owners uh, are looking to take over 70% majority stake at Dundalk FC. Uh, if this comes to fruition, the other 30% will be made up of the current ownership and uh, local input will remain on the on the, the Dundalk board as well. So look, um, Akim Media is the current uh, chairman. He'd be part of the ownership of Hull City at the moment, obviously playing football in the championship. Uh, and friend, and they've, 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 Hull City have done well uh, since his since the, the the current ownership has came to fruition. I think from a Dundalk point of view, Roy, I don't know how you feel. Uh, this will be I think now the fifth set of owners in eleven years, which has to be a bit disheartening for them too. I think the only way that any new ownership is going to come in, and I actually transition nicely to the Waterford story we were just talking about. I think if you've got any sort of new owner or new investor coming into the dock you have to show 
you're willing to put X amounts of, of, of money on the table to invest in infrastructure. The, the, the ground for, for one, it's we're blue in the face talking about Oriel Park at this stage. Everyone knows the issues that are going on with Oriel Park. With Oriel Park and the train facilities, I think if you're any sort of new investor, that that's just a, a simple a, a must that come in. And I think it's the only way you can sort of alleviate any doubts of the Dundalk fans. Like I said, the, 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 the fifth set of owners in uh, just over a decade. Like, Dundalk fans won't want to be born again. They won't want to be used as, you know, as, as a fear club or as somebody, you know, anyone that's coming in to line their pockets because that's what we see with Peak Six not that long ago. And I suppose before we really get fully into this one, would you even say the current crop of owners, you know, when Stat Sports came in, was that a success? Like, there, there was a definitely a feel-good factor around the club. They seemed to be um, mending fractured relationships within Dundalk and things like that when they first came in. But again, zero improvements to Oriel Park, bar a couple of portal of that went in. Uh, no sort of financial uh, gain put into the infrastructure of the club at all. So I think that's the only way you're going to get any positivity from the Dundalk fans about new owners and new investors and things like that. Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I listen, I, it's always positive to ha- think and feel that someone's going to invest into your club and they could invest into it well. Uh, plans are the biggest thing. Is Are there plans there? As I said, loads of co- teams around the country are putting plans together and f- trying to figure out ways of uh, pursuing those plans and making them a reality. That's what needs to happen with Dundalk. Plans need to be made available. The fans need to know that something is possibly going to happen and they can get behind it. So hopefully that's what's going to happen there. It's interesting to see where it's going to go and I'm sure we'll be talking about it when it comes back around. I just just think without without being too negative about it here, I just think the benefits without a stadium don't. There's not much of an uh, an upside for Dundalk without this uh, the, the new potential ownership coming and put money to the stadium. Right, you might get a couple of Hull City youngsters, but if you look at the new ownership, you know they'd they'd probably get a more easier route to European football than they would with Hull mm. City over in England. Uh, they'd have to pick a bunch of you know Dundalk Force in Academy uh, players, or even Force in players too. Um, they could even I think with it, we talk, again we talked about the Brexit in the loss and Brexit came in. It's quite difficult. Uh, English clubs have to wait till they're over. Irish players are over 18, which makes that market now non-existent. Where Hull City now, they be, could be looking at a potential even farmer club. You know, stay at them dock, stay there till you're ready, till you're 18, 13, and you have a straight pathway to Hull City. So, yeah, from this one, from the outside looking in, there seems to be a lot more to gain from Hull City if they aren't willing to put down uh, money for improvements into a ground and things like that. So, yeah, it's a um, pinch of salt, I think, with this one. Yeah, well, we'll see what's going to happen. There's a, there's a lot of smoke and that normally means there's a little bit of fire somewhere. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes to. OK, referees, Nathan, are they finally going to be put under a bit of scrutiny this season? What have you heard? Negative episode this row, isn't it? Negative, <laughs> negative episode. <laughs> we, we're due one of these. Can't you be positive can't, all the time. I'm one of these for once a month. No, no, we're just full of piss and vinegar this week. So let's 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 keep it going. <laughs> yeah, so this one comes right a uh, pair of um Paulo here at Mirror Sport. Really interesting piece actually. Um so an Estonian company has developed software that will be used to forensically analyze refereeing stats and decision making. So 
over here in Ireland, there's going to be three Premier Division games a week that are going to be used um, in a trial venture. Now, mm-hmm. I don't know. I haven't seen any information if this trial venture is going to go on all season, if it's going to go on for a couple of months. But we're just going to, for, for the first for the short-term future, we'll say for now, we're going to have three Premier Division games each week for being used as trial. So what this means is we're going to have clips on all aspects of refereeing performances and detailed stats will be, uh, will be collected. The former, so the clips um, of the referees will be sent on to an FEI panel, while the latter uh, detailed stats will to a database of each Premier Division referee. The same way you'd have a database of player stats from each player around the league. You'll have detailed stats of uh, penalty decision, free kick decisions, and I think most importantly, Roy, card usage and what the infringements of a card led to because... I, I think last year in particular, we had to be the highest European league for managers and stuff and coaches in particular getting mm. booked and sent off. It was honestly a weekly basis. Um, and again, look, not not to, to harp on, we've been very negative on League of Ireland, the standard League of Ireland refereeing. I think it's been consistently really, really poor uh, standard across the league. But I think things like this, you know, to, to publicly release this sort of information and the stats, it just, it brings accountability to not only to to the referees but to the FEI and you know the uh, the teaching and the standard of the courses like leading into introduction of refereeing and things like that but I think even for public knowledge for spectators and supporters and even like media personnel to be able to dive into into details and to have a bit more of a clear understanding and a knowledge of you know card usage and the infringements and things like that that led to a card usage so yeah it's positive I think it could be a positive one. Again, it's only a trial venture, so we'll have to wait and see in this one. But I like the sounds of it. Yeah, I'm very interested to see what they are going to be based on, what they're going to be looking at. Um, how is it? Will it be based on how to referee within the game with common sense or how to referee stringently to the rules? I wonder what sort of flexibility there is there. So um, I'm curious to see what this actually they've produced here and can it be used in the way that they're saying. You know, it's it, it's not sometimes football refereeing is not necessarily we're always following the rules all the way. You have to have a little bit of common knowledge and go, OK, yeah, listen, I need to calm it down here. Um, he probably doesn't need to be sent off here because of X, Y and Z. So, yeah be very interesting to see okay listen the women's national league nathan it's uh it's just around the corner but the president's cup is this weekend yeah Roy, the first ever uh women's national league president's cup as you said taking place this weekend between uh atlone and shelbourne take place on this saturday coming february the 25th four o'clock kickoff at the atlone town stadium if you can't make it to atlone the game will be streamed uh live on loi tv at Lone and the Gay, obviously they, they were they were beaten two uh, 0 by Shelbourne in the FEI Cup final back in November. Shells winning the double last season uh, as women's national league champions, and as I mentioned, winning the FEI Cup. They beat At Lone uh, to the title by two points uh, in the league. So yeah, two tightly contested teams in the 2022 women's national league. This comes as part of the the, the new rebrand with the League of Ireland, having you know the the. Premier Division, Fourth Division and Women's National League now all under the own umbrella in terms of marketing, sponsorship and things like that. So it just makes sense to, to, to finally bring in a Women's National League President's Cup. Uh, and yeah, looking forward to the league starting up, Roy. 
maybe uh, the women's league itself is back on the fourth of March, which be uh, time recording be uh, next weekend. So I'm sure we'll have a bit more of an in-depth preview uh, either on the show here next week or we'll have something up on the website so yeah all women's national league fans do keep an eye out for that keep your eyes open for any potential um articles or keep your ears open for any potential youtube videos podcast clips and things like that because yeah it's going to be exciting league Roy, with some new additions coming in it's great to see shelbourne being able to advance maybe a bit further in the european competitions than they did last year so yeah there's some good storylines heading into the league in 2023 yeah, let's have a. I'll be interested to see a few of these games this year. And uh, again, we want to see the standard, the level rise there, just like it has in 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 the the, the men's section. And I just I definitely think that there's. I'm not. I'm not messing when I say this. I actually think the women's league can kick on and take over from the men's in popularity, uh, because I think that women's football in this country hasn't been tapped into yet. And it's getting bigger and bigger all the time. Uh, you could see, well, even just as popular in, in the country. And, and that's something that I can see coming down the line. Okay, listen, fans fans question, Nathan. Uh, it's, it's, it's the same question again? It's not the same question again. We haven't got that lazy. It's a follow-up from a question. Um, so, yeah, get your fan questions in and make sure we're not following up from questions. <laughs> get them into the big kickoff. Uh, by Shanahan, Nathan Doyle, social media. He is now the story by now. Keep them coming, lads. Uh, a mate of mine had to help me out this week. Roy had to fall back, rely on one of the uh, one of the OG homies, uh, Steo Hogan. Come on, Steo. We appreciate this. Uh, it might get him into a bit of hot water, so I'm going to drop Steo's uh, Twitter handle uh, in the <laughs> description of, of just you know, so anyone, any, uh, anyone, any disagreements, yeah, get on Steo. Get on Steo's case. Don't be getting on the lads' case. So, this is a follow up question. From my most recent uh, fan question, when we talked about should you bring underage and women's international games around the country? You know, me and you mentioned a lot about Tornos Cross and, in particular, the Roy McBride Brandywell Stadium up in Derry. Um, so, again, this isn't me and you, this is the thoughts of Steel. So, any Derry native, please get on to him, not us. Uh, he disagrees. He, he disagree with bringing those games to not only to the Royal McBride Brandywell Stadium, but to Derry as a whole, as it could be opening up a serious can of worms. So, Roy, without putting yourself in the league of hot water and getting away from the Brandywell as a stadium, should you bring, once again, the underage and women's international games to Derry? Well, we already talked about the pitch. So yes. I know he said don't talk about it, but I am going to talk about it. First of all, the pitch is an, is an obstacle. I don't think international games should be played on an Astro pitch. So that would rule it out on that regard. If they had a grass pitch, I would actually say yes. I don't see the issue. I don't see the problem. They are part of the League of Ireland. They're under the FAI banner. They are not part of the, the Irish League up the north. And technically... Yes, it's in Northern Ireland, but that doesn't matter a damn to me. It's it's a League of Ireland FAI club, and I would have absolutely no bones about having games up there. No, yeah, nice and short one this week, I'd say, because we, we talked about it a lot, about uh, about the ground as a whole. But I think even if you look at the current uh, international setup, obviously we have like, James McLean, Shane Duffy in the senior squad, but... if it, it, well, it's funny, it's a bit more diluted in the underage. You have, you know, most playing for Northern Ireland, but you do have, like, like say, Conor Barr, Luke O'Donnell have been called up to the most recent uh, 
I think it was the, the under 17s and 19s uh, underage international squad. So we do have lads representing not only Derry, but the Derry City FC as a whole too. Uh, as you said, in the league, fall under the FEI banner. Uh, I, I, I don't see why you wouldn't bring it up. Like we said, we're not every every game has to be up in Dublin because you do have representatives from Cork and from Derry. So if you were a young kid in Derry and you're seeing these underage uh, or women's international teams coming up uh, to your local ground, that's the way you're going to identify. You're going to identify with the other Derry natives within those teams. So it just makes sense to me. I think the reason why we wanted to bring this up was to anybody listening in or anybody watching, get in your thoughts about it because me and Roy do agree. We think that you should be bringing games up to Derry but what do you think anyone listening we'd love to hear do you and feel- Nathan uh, we don't know there there may be a rule that they can't play up there I have no knowledge of of, of yeah. whether they're allowed to play in uh, in effectively the UK which that's what it is you would have a lot of people up in Derry stating it's not but you know is there any sort of a rule there I don't know I haven't got any knowledge of that but I would be very surprised if there was. Yeah, especially considering that, as you said, they play in the League of Ireland and that they, they went through all the work to fall under the FEI banner. Yeah, I think it'd be weird when start, if, if you couldn't bring games up there. Even while it never will happen, even senior uh, international friends or whatever, and maybe I'm surprised if there was a rule and stopping that, considering that there is a, a dairy contingent in the senior uh, Ireland's national team and there's also dairy players across the board in underage and women's internationals yeah okay so it's down to you you tell us you let us know you let us know on YouTube Twitter Facebook wherever you see us wherever you find us even our own Twitter handles or, or, or Facebook whatever you can see send us on the message do you think that uh, international games uh, should be allowed in the Brandywell as their listener has said, it's technically Nardner and he doesn't feel that it should be. Let us know. Okay, we're going to leave it at that, Nathan. That's a, another week wrapped up. Week one, we're nearly closing in on week two. It'll be interesting over the next few weeks to see who goes in a run and who, well, goes in a losing run. And uh, it's it's yeah. going to be a good one. We'll touch a bit more on the first division next weekend um, because uh, that's going to be as exciting as the Premier Division. Thanks very much, Nathan. And thanks very much, you, for listening again. Uh, Really, really appreciate it.